Hello, patrons. Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. Uh, this is this month's exclusive for patrons and subscribe stars. Yeah, we're, we're finally going to finish this yeah, game. We're going to finish up Undertale <laughs> finally. It's been four months we've spent on Undertale here. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to finish it up today. So pretty soon we'll have a vote on the next, on the next thing item we cover. of media. It'll probably be a movie or TV Be a movie show. this time. <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be some. We don't want to spend another four months on one thing again. <laughs> Let's just Preferably watch Jurassic movie. Park or something. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> Movie's awesome. Um, <laughs> so we left off kind of right at the ending of the game, and we, we went through a little bit of essentially a neutral ending. Right. In the, in the neutral endings, you fight Asgore, you can kill or spare him, I guess. Right. Um, and then Flowey comes in, you have the final boss fight with Flowey, and then uh, the human wakes up on the other side of the barrier... And I think Sans calls you, and there's like a lot of variations to that depending on what you who did. you killed, who you killed, yeah, and who what, you didn't what kill. you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the pacifist run, which everyone should be aiming for within this game, because <laughs> um, it's really cool. Um, everybody's there, and it's a really, it's a really fun, fun ending. Yeah. Um, the the interesting thing to note is you cannot get a true pacifist ending on a first playthrough. No, really. You have to watch a neutral ending. Even if you didn't oh, kill anybody, but then Flowey will come up at the end of it and say, "You can just reload your save, by the way, and then just go mm. through the final again, the final boss, and then get the true." So you don't have to actually oh, play yes. through the whole. No, I game remember again. that. I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to watch the neutral ending first, then you can just do the final boss, which is a different final boss in True Pacifist. Is that because uh, you don't fight Asgore in that version? Oh, right. Um, because Toriel comes in and stops him from fighting you. Yes, and, and then he just kills all of them. Yeah, that's right. And then the boss changes a little yes. bit. Yes. Um, you end up fighting. It kind of gets crazy. It's really, really hard. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's basically Flowey kills everybody, and then their he, hearts float up, and then he breaks all of their hearts into a million pieces, and he claims that he's destroyed their memories. He destroyed their hearts. Like, they're gone forever. They're completely gone forever. And then you have to fight him, and it's really hard. But every now and then during the fight, you you can like call for help, and you can remember yes the, their presences, right. and you can like kind of call out to them, and they almost they're basically resurrected through your memory of them, right? And through calling out to them for help, and then they can heal you and help you out in battle. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. And each time Flowey's like, "What? What's happening? That's not supposed to happen." And it's um, Azrael. He he actually reveals the true form, yeah. the, the 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 son of Toriel and Asgore, Azrael. Right. So it's like Azrael is the one fighting you in in his like dem- demonic right. Azrael form. And he looks very <laughs> demonic, yes. Yeah, and so uh you 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 know resurrect all your friends like you're saying. Um and then at the end of this uh run, you end up talking to the child form of Azrael. Yep. Yep. He tells you about how he and the first child, the first child who fell into right. The, um, into the underworld, um, who is, this was kind of an interesting thing. It's whatever you named your character. Right, that's the right? older one. That's not the first child, current. not your current yes. character. The current character's name is, he has a name, it's Frisk, or he or she. Frisk. Yeah. Frisk is the name. Yeah. But, uh, so, the, the, the canonical name for this uh, first child is Kara, as in C-H-A-R-A, as in character. Kara. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, so it's sure. whatever you name your character. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. But that's the name of the first child that fell through. And the kind of um, cool table flip they do on this is that that first cutscene 
at the very, very beginning when you first boot up the game, it shows a child falling through. Mm, that's that not was, Frisk. Yeah, that was Kara. The Kara, the first yeah. child that falling through. Yeah, and, that kind of that that was very interesting. At first, yeah. I didn't know what the importance of that was. Yeah, but as you talk to Azriel and he tells you the story of what happened and how, and I don't, I still don't know exactly how Kara ended up dying. Somehow, Kara ended, ends up dying, and um, Flowey. Well, Asriel decides to bring um, Kara back to the human world, right? And kind of puts her down. But then the humans all think that, that Asriel's the one that killed this human. Yeah. And so they kill him. Well, they mortally wound him to where when... And he didn't fight back, right? He kind of lets this happen. He goes back and he lays down on the flower bed. And I'm pretty sure that's where he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Then through... Um Alphys's experiments. That's the, right. The soul. His of soul. Azrael's put into one of the flowers. The gold put flowers. into a flower. Now, Those experiments are, are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that for sure. That's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's an important part of the story. And to understand that why it's so important is because it's we, we aren't Kara. Like Kara would have forgiven Azrael easily. We are uh, Frisk. Frisk is a whole different other person. Our experience with Azrael is nowhere near the same. Not even close. And so for us to then forgive Azrael or say that it's okay or to help him out. It actually, I feel like it means a little bit more um, in a way, at least for us as the player, because it's like, oh, we, we're we getting to know this person like anew and we aren't that original person. We're a whole new person, um, but we can have a, that, you know, special like connection with him anyways. It was really interesting. Before I carry on here, after this is over, you have a chance to kind of walk back through. To the beginning, yeah. Did you go all about yeah, and yep. talk to Azriel there? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. So there's 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 <laughs> a lot really that's cool. revealed about Kara yeah. and the fact that Kara actually hated humanity. Ah, right. Yes. And like what Kara really wanted, because Kara died, and the soul of Kara and Azriel were merged together. Ah, okay. So when Azriel when Azriel is carrying. Yeah. Kara, it was actually Kara wanting to take his, her, whatever, own body back up there. Okay. Uh, and take vengeance on the humans in okay. Azriel's body. Mm. Azriel and Kara sort of fought for control of Azriel's body at this point. So he says that it was him, Azriel, who had decided not to attack the humans when they attacked. Right, he 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 made the decision not to do that. Okay. So, anyways, that's okay. why he ends up so dying then from what, the wounds. What I had said was technically not correct then um, about well, maybe some of their relationship. That's yeah. that's really interesting because I guess in the end, um, Kara is more of the canonical bad guy then. Yeah, the like the the, the genocidal maniac yeah. human character is Kara. Yeah. And you can become that. Yes. If you do the genocidal run, which is which is fascinating. You're basically a re- reincarnation of Kara at that point. Yes. Um, but if you resist that and you don't do that, it, it, there is some type of um, like a two sides to this, right? Where yeah. Frisk and Kara, they are different people, but they're kind of the same person. And yes. you thought you were one or the other the whole game. And um, to, in some ways, at least to the player, you could say that Frisk is forgiving him slash herself. Yeah. Like saying that that, this is me, this is a different side of me, this was me, this is who I thought I was, but like, you know, it's okay, something like that. 
And there's, there's a big part of Flowey wanting to sort of reconnect, Asriel wanting to reconnect with his old sibling slash best friend, Kara. Right. As the player, as like a sort of substitute for that. Right, like as a, as a stand-in for that, something that he misses there. And we got well, there's a whole lot we got to go into in regards to oh, Flowey and his ability to reset and like ha, all kinds yes. of stuff, yes. <laughs> uh, which funny. we will get to. But in, in the end of the true pacifist route, he'll explain all this. If you walk back through the whole game, talking all the NBCs, you go back to the beginning, he'll tell you all about this. And, oh, you really are yeah. different from, from Kara. You're not, you're not right. who I thought you were, you know. And, um, but Azrael doesn't want forgiveness and he doesn't feel like he has any chance at a future yeah. and basically kind of is about to disappear, isn't really right. alive yeah. technically. Um, and this is really touching moment in the game is when Friss gives him a hug. Yes. That was really cool. I just yeah, thought that was, was great. great. That was the part where I'm just like, man, this game's too good. It's really good. <laughs> it's too powerful. Because after all of this, and despite everything that's happened, Frisk just goes up and gives him a hug. It's just yeah. like so perfect. It's great. So, um, anyways, oh, the other thing that's mandatory. So I had um, I had everything pulled up here to kind of go over like what you have to do, what's mandatory for each ending. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Do 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 do. Okay, so <clears throat> the neutral route. There's actually like a ton of variations, like we were saying, on, on the ending of neutral because, you know, in one neutral route, you might kill Papyrus and another mm. you might not, but actually kill right. uh, Undyne or not kill any of them or whatever it might be, or, or Sans. All but one. What I was really interested in getting into was oh, what you yeah. thought of the Sans boss fight on the genocide run, but oh we'll, my we'll get to that in a minute. It's probably the hardest <laughs> thing so ever. Now, I, I do a full disclosure for the genocide run. I cannot bring myself to play this Actually game play it, yeah. in the genocide route. Um, and so I ended up just watching um, yeah. uh, an LP or, but I saw the freaking battle and it's insane. <laughs> You'll die about a thousand times, yeah. I'm sure. It's crazy. I just can't believe it. So, okay, neutral route. <clears throat> the ending, uh, this ending occurs when one of these conditions are met. Uh, the protagonist does not befriend all pivotal characters, Papyrus, Undyne, and Alphys. So you have to do the date sequences. For ah. all three of those characters. I guess Al, or, or Undyne's not really a date. It's For more like a friend ending? making. No, okay. in order to get the neutral ending, you have to not do... One of those. In order to get true pacifist, you have to get all three. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, or if the true lab has not been explored, so you must explore Alphys, the true yeah. lab, or the protagonist kills any but not every monster. So that's what initiates a neutral route ending is if any of those conditions are met. You have not befriended all three, any one of them or none of them, right? Uh, you have not explored the true lab and you have uh, not, you've killed at least something. So every, anything <clears throat> in between. Yes. So everything. So if you just spared one person, then you're neutral. Yes. You could kill everything in the game, but one and you still would get neutral route. Cool. So it's, you pretty much have to fulfill a pretty insane number of conditions either way to, do to get pacifist or, or yeah. genocide. So most people would be neutral. Most yeah. people are going to get a neutral. And in fact, I think, again, you have to do a neutral route the first time. Because you have to, the at game. the end, you have to kill. I don't know if that's um, true for genocide. Ascor, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true for genocide, but that is true for... I don't know. 
pacifist. No. You cannot just see the pacifist uh, ending on your very first playthrough. You've got to reload the game and play the final boss again. So that's neutral route. Mm. And then there's, like we said, um, various different ways the endings can be changed based on who you killed or didn't kill or what you chose to do. So a true pacifist route, you have to have all these conditions met. Um, a neutral route has been completed, so one neutral route has to be done. Right. No monsters were killed throughout the game, so no experience was gained, and you can't be past level one. Papyrus, Undine, and Alphys have all been befriended, and the true lab has been explored. Uh, the true route, or the true pacifist route, ends with the barrier being broken and the protagonist and the monsters of the underground being able to leave, and they kind of all stand. You know, watching the sunset, they talk about yeah, how beautiful yeah. it is. Yeah, um, and then Sands like leaves and goes back in the cave for yep. whatever reason. Um, and then during the credits, you can see like Papyrus driving a car and stuff down the road. Yep. And all the monsters and the humans are living together in peace, yep. like right. in unity. And uh, you see like Undine and um, Alphys kind of like on a beach, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, because there was some at some point where <laughs> I think. Some point during the ending there, um, Undyne is saying something. She's all embarrassed, and and Al, uh, not Undyne, um, um, Alphys does. Alphys. And, and Undyne comes in and tries to encourage her, and you just see the leg of Metatron stick out, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, just like go ahead and smooch already, or something like that, right? And they're like, oh, I That's don't know, should thing. we or whatever? And they get interrupted by Toriel, says, not in front of the human. But in that in that scene in the credits, like she actually reaches over to Alphys and sort of gives her like a kiss on the cheek, and Alphys oh, is just yeah. like, <laughs> like freaking out. Uh, anyways, that's so, funny. so that's the true pacifist. Oh, I love that the final shot of the true pacifist ending. Well, because you get a choice, you can either go back and live with uh, Toriel oh, again and let yeah, her be your foster you mother, stay. or no, I want to. But in, uh, and you can right. choose to either be an ambassador to the right. humans or yeah, not. Yeah. So there's a couple choices you can make there that will alter the true pacifist ending a little bit. But I love that the, the final ending of the one that I chose, which is to go back and be a Toriel again, yeah. and she leaves a piece of pie on the ground as you sleep. And she goes and like looks at you through the door and closes the door, and she leaves a little pie on the oh, floor, yeah. like from earlier. Yeah, in the, game the butter pecan or the yeah. cinnamon yeah. pecan pie. It's great. That's great. Now, that's important because we're going to talk about genocide right now, and this will change... <sighs> if you've done genocide. So we're going to talk about genocide route here and the differences and <laughs> how much different the game really is if you go down this route. Yes. Um, the towns people. are just empty. Yeah, people just That's leave. That's the biggest notice, the biggest difference I notice. Like you go to stores and it's so funny because there are certain stores where everything is free. Yep. Because no one's manning it and you can just take whatever you want. Yep. But then there are other times where it's actually more expensive when you have to buy from certain people who are willing to actually look at you and talk to you and be there. Like that old turtle dude. Mm -hmm. And then stuff seems to my it seems to be more expensive. Um and uh yeah, so that's funny. But yeah, there's no one to talk to. There's no one in any of the villages. Nobody's manning any of the stores. Yeah. It's crazy. And one thing I really liked is the prophecy can be read either way. It yes. can be read as the angel who comes and saves the monsters and leads them yep. back out of the underground again, or it can be read as the destroying angel. And that's that yep, that yep. old turtle guy. He tells you that, yeah. He he kind of mentions that, right? Yeah, he he kind of mentions how it could be read either way. Yeah, and it's 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 cool. I just love the symbol too because you've got the circle with the wings, 
I mentioned this a little bit in our, um, what was it, in our uh, Xenosaga discussion about the circle with the wings that looks more or less like a snitch <laughs> from Harry Potter um, is actually an ancient, ancient symbol. symbol. It, it symbolizes like the sun with the wings, right, and the chariot of the sun rising. Uh, but it also symbolizes something like transformation and, and perfection and things like that. Uh, but in this instance, it's an angel, but it would be an angel descending, right? Um, because the wings are kind of going up. It just looks that way. But then you have those three triangles at the bottom, one pointing up, one pointing down, and then one pointing up again. Yeah. Now that symbolizes just in general, the story arc, right? Like where you're, you, you, you start out in this place. Well, the inverse story arc, I guess, not this one, but the other one where you descend into a cave, yes. where you descend into the depths. So you start out in the overworld, you go down into the underworld, you experience the world there, and then you come back up to the overworld, right? And that's just like the general story. Um, but in terms of whether it's going to destroy things or not, yeah, the, the symbol doesn't really tell you <laughs> <laughs> whether this is a good thing or not. It's a thing that will start in one place, descend below the depths, and then reascend. But what did it do when it descended below the depths? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it either killed everyone or it saved everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's beautiful, though. And the, the embodiment of the angel being being a person, right? Yeah. Or a, more particularly a human. Yeah. Some um, cool themes there as well. So here are some of the differences uh, when you're when you're going through on the genocide route. Uh, if the protagonist exhausts the kill counter before encountering Nabal, uh, Nabstablo, 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 which is the, the, yeah, the funny the little ghost with the headphones. Uh, they vanish when the protagonist approaches them. They don't even have, even have a chance to interact. Mm. The NPCs for Froggit and Vegetoid never appear in the world. Uh, in Toriel's home, checking the cupboard in the kitchen prompts the flavor text, where are the knives? Whoa. Which you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, when checking the mirror, I, I thought this was interesting because normally when you look in the mirror, it says, yeah, it's you, yes, yeah. but it'll say it's me. And then the name of your character, hmm. which remember it's not supposed the character to be is not frisk or yes. the character is frisk. The character is not the character you named or Kara. Yeah. And this is, oh gosh, Kate, this is, this is getting into <laughs> the Xenosaga stuff that I talked about in yes. the last episode of Xenosaga, yes. where what, whatever you embody is, is a thing mm. And you can be like, oh, it turns out the angel was Frisk the whole time. It's like, no, the angel was the angel. Frisk just was the embodiment of the higher principle that was the angel. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there isn't an angel. It's just a person. Or in this case with Kara, it's like, Kara, oh, it wasn't Kara the whole time. It was just Frisk. But but you see the spirit of Kara is, is hovering over Frisk the entire yep. game. And at any point, Frisk can allow... Uh, and you could say demonic possession, but I'm not talking like what most people think of yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you, like the exorcist or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about there's a demon circling around you and to whatever extent you participate in the actions that that spirit wants you to participate in, you are giving your body up to to a demon, right? Yeah, right. And and so, so Kara is the unseen entity that you don't even know about, but is there throughout mm -hmm. the whole game. Everything that happens, there's yep. this thing that's there. And to whatever extent you embody Kara, the evil Kara, is the extent to which Kara kind of takes over your being and takes over your body. And by the end of the game, when you look in the mirror and you see either Frisk or you see Kara, that, that shows you how much you've embodied this older this other character. And I think I mentioned if there's like a number, if the number's high enough for the number of people Yeah, the that kill you killed, count. Yeah, so depending yeah. on how much you've embodied Kara, Kara will literally 
you may as well be Kara. Your yeah. Kara is controlling you, and you think, yeah. "What's well, no? I'm controlling the character." It's like, no, you're embodying an idea that even you, the game player, you're embodying an idea when you play this game that is, um, like it's it's uh, you you are the body of Kara. You're the body of an idea. Yeah. There's a there's a way of talking about this. Like Carl Jung, he he said um, once, um, "People don't have ideas. Ideas have people." Mm, right. Yep. So the ideas exist, and they grab people and, and, and use you, people. Yep. And you know this if you've ever talked to a, just a pure ideologue. If you've ever talked to somebody who's just like spouts the the cause of their political or even what um, religious or um, their like ideological just stance, and it's just like they aren't even thinking. You're not talking to a real person. You're talking to the idea that's controlling the real person. And I, I you've had that experience, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I have too. I'm sure everybody listening has. Um, there's something to that, and I think it's really profound because it's not just the angel. Which one are you going to embody? The angel of death or the angel of life? You have the choice, but either way, you're giving your body up to one or the other. Uh, this moment too, where it's like Kara. Kara is the angel of death, and. Oh, it's beautiful. I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, it's I, awesome. I really love how they do this stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm going to read um, uh, an article a little bit later on in this podcast talking about the connection with Jewish mysticism that mm. this game has. And it's pretty deep and intense. Um, so I'm not just just um, grasping ideas here and implying them I- into the story of the game. That there sure. is There is some deep religious mythology that this game is based on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So when facing Toriel at the exit of the ruins, the protagonist kills her with a single attack, regardless of how well the attack is executed. So all mm. I have to do is attack her just one time, even if you get in the center of the eye or not. Yeah. And it'll just kill her in one hit. Mm. Um, when attempting to talk to Toriel, the flavor text, not worth talking to, appears instead of ironically, Ooh. talking does not seem to a solution to the situation. Interesting. So when you face Toriel without the kill count, being completed right and you go into the the, not into the attack but into the actions or what is it um i can't remember the the, what it's called the the at the bottom yeah it's act there's act act. yeah the bottom left and you try to talk to her what it'll generally say is ironically talking does not seem to be the solution to this situation right but if you've completed the kill count it'll say instead not worth talking not worth talking to so crazy and that's you're, you're being controlled at this point by somebody else <laughs> yeah uh, that's great so after killing Toriel in the next chamber Flowey appears even if he was killed on a previous neutral route and identifies the protagonist as the first human so he's actually identifying you as Kara Kara right interesting if you've done that so that what you're te- what you're saying is completely what's happening you're totally embodying Kara <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Okay, so we move without on. Without even, without even, you don't have to realize it to embody a, a demon, so to speak. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to realize it yeah. to, to still do it. Yeah. I also wanted to throw in the the fact that at different points in our lives, it's possible that we were that person who was just the mouthpiece for the idea. Sure. Like I'm not talking down to people in general. This is how humans work. Like yeah. we've got these ideas floating around, and it's like you you pick them and then you say the things for the idea, but we don't really even know who we are all that well. And so sometimes, sometimes we are the ones who are just, you know, regurgitating the, what the idea wants us to say, you know, as if we're being controlled by some outside force. Yeah. 
So we move into Snowden here. When encountering Sands, he is disturbed by the fact that the protagonist does not react to his joke. Yeah, yes, I remember seeing that. Because <laughs> you do the farting, or the, what is it? The, yeah, the, the whoopee, whoopee cushion, cushion joke. Hand, yeah. And he's just like, nothing, really, nothing. <laughs> oh, there's another thing, though. I believe Toriel says something along the lines of, oh, I, it turns out, I thought I was keeping you in the house to protect you. It turns out I was keeping you here to protect them. Yeah. And that's when she, and so it's like either way, she's serving as a barrier either to protect us from them or to protect them from us. Yes. Either way, she doesn't want to let us through the yeah, door. Right. Yeah, that's, that's sad really. But <clears throat> after playing the pacifist run, it's very sad. <laughs> he then attempts to hide them behind a conveniently shaped lamp, but they ignore him. Papyrus runs in and leaves after Sans tells him he found a human and does not notice the protagonist. Sans then tells the protagonist that they should continue pretending to be a human. Pretending yes, to be yes. a human. Yes, Keep right. pretending to be a human. Yeah. Uh, the save points, instead of saying that the protagonist is filled with determination, now start counting down how many monsters the protagonist has left to kill before the genocide route can be com uh, completed. Or... Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I've never done this route myself, so this is stuff that I, I, just, I didn't notice either. I just watched it. I did not play it. I refuse. I will not. This game's too pure. It's too meaningful. It's too beautiful for me to just like go kill everyone that I have this deep connection with. I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, Snowden Forest marks the first instance of overworld music being slowed down in the genocide route. Oh, I didn't notice that. However, it is important to note that the various events cause music in Snowden to revert to its normal state. Namely, after the word search tile puzzle and bridge gauntlet segments. Mm. The music returning to its normal speed does not include a failure of the route. Or does not indicate a failure of the route. You uh, also don't have to do any of Papyrus's um, riddles, any of his puzzles. Mm -hmm. You just walk through them. You just ruin his, his puzzles and you don't do any of them. And then... Um, Papyrus gets upset because you're not playing any of his <laughs> games um, and you just don't do them. And then Sans is like, really? Come on. You could just try to do one of them. Don't you like games? Don't you like puzzles? <laughs> it's funny. When Papyrus finally notices the protagonist, he initially does not recognize them as a human. The music slows down and becomes lower pitched when this happens. Right. Doggo shivers when the protagonist approaches him. Ah, yeah. Uh, the protagonist can take the three snowman pieces from the snowman until they become a useless pile of snow. Yep, yep. The protagonist ignores all of Papyrus's puzzles, and some of them appear to be solved with Flowey's help. The protagonist walks through the electricity maze before Papyrus finishes explaining it. Yep. The music speeds up and becomes higher pitched after this happens. Sans and Papyrus have different dialogue regarding the word search uh, when it is either checked or skipped. If the word search is skipped, Sans remarks that he should have made the puzzle a junior jumble as opposed to the crossword during the neutral route. Mm. If the word search is checked, Papyrus complains that he can't work in this environment before leaving. Uh, the switch in the snow puzzle has already been pressed down by vines. Um, the spikes are already retracted for the X and O puzzles and Papyrus is uh, absent. The ice bridge for the XO puzzle is already expanded. The protagonist cuts off Papyrus' explanation of the tile puzzle and walks through it before he can activate it. The gauntlet of deadly terror is retracted after Papyrus feels like the human would not appreciate it. After Papyrus leaves, Sans warns the protagonist that they will have a bad time if they continue the way they are currently going, specifically mentioning the protagonist's upcoming battle with Papyrus. He then seems to teleport out of the area and the music stops. 
given how difficult that battle with Papyrus is, or not Papyrus, but with um, Sans is later. Yeah, it's like, it, you're not playing along with my brother's right. games. I don't like it's, this situation. I don't like you very much. Right. Like, <laughs> yep. You don't like my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You don't think you, it's funny. You're not nice to my brother. Yeah. You're it's killing like, everybody. There's nothing redeeming about I'm, it. I don't like you. And yeah. uh, he's like the hardest boss in the game. So. He, he is. It's incredible. If the protagonist kills the greater dog and has yet to kill Snowdrake, all the save points say that comedian until he is killed. Jeez, that's crazy. If Snowdrake is not killed before the kill counter is exhausted, the save point text changes to the comedian got away, failure, and the genocide route is aborted. Oh, wow. Okay, after meeting the requirements, once the protagonist exhausts the kill counter, all Snowden NPCs except Monster Kid evacuate. So everyone's gone in Snowden yep. except Monster Kid. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, Papyrus tries to convince the protagonist to be a good person and immediately offers to spare them. Even after being killed, he still believes that the protagonist can do better. Yeah, he says so, that. I still believe that you can change, you can be good. Yeah, this is what I wanted to bring up to you in regards to one of the things you said in the last episode oh, yeah. regarding offering mercy to yeah. Flowey at the end, the most evil person, right? No, and, I know. I know what you're going to say. Oh, it's, you're it's, right. it's totally reversed. Yes. Everybody offers you mercy and says, I still believe you can be a good person. Yes. To you as you're going through killing everybody. It's incredible. It's the total reversal of the yeah. situation. <laughs> and you really, you really feel that too. Yeah. Like it really feels it. And and they all become such good people yeah. as you're playing the and that's actually this is what surprised me the most about the genocide run is um how cause like I actually was able to feel even more for these characters, ignoring all of the death and destruction because their new dialogues showed just a different side of them and how they would react in this different situation, especially Undyne. Undyne has some very interesting um, dialogue at the end when you kill her, where it's just like like her, everything that she's doing is trying to protect her, the monsters and stuff, trying to protect her people. And it's um, even Flowey in the end, in the end, even Flowey is like, I will spare you, please don't hurt me like you become so evil that even flowey is just like pales in comparison to you yeah and it's uh it's crazy but you actually do experience still a pretty meaningful gameplay experience through the other characters in how much they uh resent you uh but how like good of people they seem to be it's really yeah. cool really well, cool it's like true pacifist route you are sort of embodying a Christ figure, right? Yes. In, yep. in giving forgiveness even to the worst, most evil character in the game. Yep, yep, yep. But in this reverse form, you get to feel like, you get to know what it feels like to be offered mercy and forgiveness as the most <sighs> evil person in it's the game. It's crazy. I could never play it's, the genocide run. I it's couldn't do it. It's wild how you can be on both sides of that exchange in and come game. away with a completely different feeling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Of what forgiveness yeah. means. Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's it's crazy. That's, true. that's and, probably the most brilliant part of the game to me is how yeah. it could extra, like as I'm watching this one and remembering how it felt to do this one and realizing I'm on the other side of it now. Yeah. It just made me feel totally different about forgiveness. Me if too. that makes sense. <laughs> this game is incredible. This yeah. game's on something else, but I, I noticed that as as we were going through um as I was going through 
watching the game, <laughs> not playing it. Um, I slowly started to feel that. I was like, wait a second. I thought it was going to more or less be the same dialogue, but now they're dead. And okay. It's like, no, you're getting, you're there. They are their best selves yep. in the genocide run. Yep. That's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, just wasn't prepared for that. It was really, it was really touching. It was really cool. So now we move on to waterfall. Uh, on the neutral route, most of the echo flowers produce a message stating it's strangely silent after killing Undyne. On the genocide mm-hmm. route, the flowers produce this message by default because no one's around. Right. Um, starting in waterfall, encounters are marked by a smiley face above the protagonist's head as opposed to an exclamation point. All of like the in- excited to kill. Yeah, right. All of the NPCs are absent except Monster Kid, Gerson, and the Temi shopkeeper. Like Snowden, most of the puzzles are already completed. Um, rocks are not falling down from the waterfall in the rock puzzle room. The bridge seeds are already aligned. So it's like it doesn't even bother giving you puzzles to do. It's just like, just yeah. keep going on your rampage of killing people. In some ways, the game is shorter Yeah. on the genocide run, uh, other than the battles will be, you know, yeah. they're not like... The same, or longer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least the boss battles. You yeah. probably kill all the other enemies pretty quickly. But. Yeah. The northern wall in the wishing room is already open. Uh, Onion mm-hmm. Sun does not appear. Onion Sun, the yeah, Onion crazy Sun. guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. When Monster Kid offers to help the protagonist reach the ledge, the protagonist climbs onto the kid's shoulders roughly. The protagonist's actions mm-hmm. upset the mad dummy so much it causes them to become corporeal, turning oh, them yeah. into the glad dummy. Since the protagonist (laughs) helped the mad dummy become corporeal, they immediately offer to spare them. The dummy must be killed in order for the genocide route to progress. Mm. So they try to offer, like you said, it's like the best version of every character. Even mad dummy becomes (laughs) glad dummy. (laughs) Uh, Neither Nabstabluk nor the snail show up in the Bluk acres, meaning that um, the game of Thunder Snail cannot be played. Oh, right, yeah. The small bird does not show up to carry the protagonist over the disproportionately small gap, the one that flies you over, that little oh, bird. Man. Gerson remains in his shop and sells his items as usual, albeit with different dialogue. He also appears to have some meta-knowledge, knowing that the protagonist cannot harm him as the shopkeepers cannot be fought, and thus their threats mean nothing. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Temi Village is empty except for the Temi yeah. shopkeeper who behaves normally, seemingly unaware of what is happening, and the Temi that watches the protagonist from within the wall. Hmm. Uh, and that Temi watches the protagonist from within the wall. The Tem shop has no option to pay for the shopkeeper's college education. This is replaced with the option to buy premium Temi flakes at a price of 1,000 G, making it impossible to obtain the Temi armor during the genocide route. If the kill counter has not yet been exhausted for Waterfall, a dialogue box appears between the second and third echo flowers and the pathway to the bridge, uh, reading strongly felt number left, shouldn't proceed yet. So it's letting you know. Yeah, go back and kill some things. Kill some stuff, you're not and there And this yet. is the bridge where um, we encounter Undyne, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, this is very different because uh, this is the bridge where the kid kind of trips on, right? In the yeah, pacifist right. run. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this version, he shows up and he's like, oh, I've, I've heard that you're actually a bad person and I, I want to hate you, right? Um, 
it just goes so differently. He just he he really does just hate us right away. Yeah, right. And then we go into a battle with him, and we have to kill mm-hmm. him. That's 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 a rough one for me. <laughs> but on this but then Undine shows. I know it's just crazy. <laughs> Undine shows up and is like, "No, I'm protecting the kid, and I'm you know go home, and I'm trying to help you, and all this stuff." And then we fight Undine, and um, that that was part probably the part with Undine where it made me feel like. Um, you didn't see that side of Undyne. She wasn't nearly as silly and stupid <laughs> and was a lot more like serious and uh, a good fighter and trying to actually protect the monsters. And you feel it too. You feel like, because in the other one, it's hard to feel that Sans or Undyne or anybody are actually protecting anything because you're just this pacifist character and it's like, it's just a joke. But it's a lot less of a joke in the genocide run and you see that a lot more clearly. Yeah. It says here that on the bridge, Monster Kid approaches the protagonist saying that Undyne told them the protagonist had done bad things yeah. and began to see the truth in her words. They then try to fight the protagonist, but when the protagonist retaliates, Undyne jumps in and takes the fatal hit. Instead of dying, however, she recovers and becomes Undyne the Undying, who is significantly more difficult than the ordinary Undyne boss fight. Yeah. So that was the other thing we were trying to talk about last time was in the initial episode, I think we said something about true pacifist is a hard route because... You don't gain any experience or right. get more health, but actually genocide is the hard route because the bosses get because way harder. Some of the, yes, <laughs> and yeah, granted, you have more HP, you have you know stronger attacks, that kind of stuff because you've actually leveled up. Yeah, um, stat, I don't know that that accounts for how difficult <laughs> mm-hmm. some of this is, like especially the sands fight. It's just it's unbelievable. So hard, cannot believe it. After being defeated, Undyne dies with a smile, aware that Alphys is evacuating yes. and monster um, evacuating the monsters ahead of the protagonist, and will tell Asgore to absorb the souls he has collected. So she like bought time. Yeah. Uh, the welcome to Snowden Town sign is removed, although its hitbox is still present. Now we move into Hotland in the core. Mm-hmm. Alphys is absent in her lab. Instead, Metaton acknowledges the protagonist's malice and flees. The lights are already on. The console that shows the protagonist says it's me, name again, when interacted with. Upon being mm. inspected, the hole in the wall yields the message. It's just here to complete the look. <laughs> Snowden, uh, like Snowden and Waterfall, most of the puzzles are deactivated. Most of the lasers are off. The only exceptions are the first opposing ship puzzle to the left um, and the three lasers on the conveyor belt on floor three. But these are the puzzles that Alphys would have been trying to help you with. And yeah, since she's yeah. not interacting with you at all on this route, they're and just so deactivated. There's nothing, there's nothing because, there. and that even drives she home was, again. She, was joking, she had yeah. activated them I in know. the first place. It's, um, it's so crazy. Mun- Munchausen yeah. proxy almost. <laughs> she, she had, those, those were yeah. not already on. Right. And then she helped you with them. She turned them on so yeah. that she could be useful so to you. So that she could turn them on. It's so crazy. It's so yep. cool. I didn't realize that the very first playthrough I did a long time ago. It was That's only cool. on this one where I... I caught on to that. That is cool. The Royal Guards are encountered... Uh, whoops, wrong one. The Royal Guards are encountered much earlier at the three steam ev- uh, the three steam vents before the entrance to Metaton's cooking show set. They attempt to avenge Undyne. They can both be killed in one hit. Metaton's quiz show, cooking show, and news report and musical performance do not occur. The oh, elevator yeah. in Hotland can access every floor from the start. However, floors L1, L2, and R2 are cut off by force fields, preventing the protagonist from getting the st- uh, stained apron and encountering So Sorry. The force field that cuts off elevator L1 disappears after reaching elevator R3. 
Muffet does not show up for her bake sale. It is still possible to buy from the bake sale, but this does not prevent the fight with Moffat. Before mm. she is fought, she does not consider the protagonist to be fit to eat, but attempts to dispose of them regardless. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit just to get to more of the more important things that are different here. All the NPCs other than Burger Pants are absent in the, uh, what do you call it? That like casino, hotel, place, whatever it is. Uh, resort. Oh, yeah. The MTT resort. Hmm. Um, uh, in, the Metaton encounter at the end of the core becomes a face-off against Metaton Neo. Metaton dies in a single hit and the protagonist's love is set to 19 regardless of their level beforehand. Several events trigger uh, after this occurs. Encounters no longer occur. So it's like you've killed everything. Hmm. Upon interacting with the lasers button at the beginning of Hotland, the lasers are not reactivated and the button just reads didn't work. The lasers in the conveyor belt are deactivated. Okay, so new home, we're at the end of the game. A slower, lower pitched version of Small Shock plays in the place of Undertale, so a different music. A box appears in front of Asgore's home and the last corridor. The present box in Asgore's home and otherwise, that otherwise contains the worn dagger now contains the real knife and the text mm. about time displays when equipping it. The present box in Asgore's home that otherwise contains the heart locket now contains the locket, and the text right where it belongs displays when equipping it. Examining various objects throughout Asgore's home yields unique descriptions. I'm not going to read all those. He leaves them in the kitchen in the hallway. There are two keys. I unlock the chain. Okay, I'm going to skip all that. Um... While walking through Asgore's home, Flowey talks to the protagonist. His dialogue replaces the story of Azrael and the first human on the neutral route, where all those ghosts kind of show up and talk to you, right? Yes, and it's just Flowey. Yeah, Flowey's. Flowey just talks to you like 20 times as you're going through. Flowey yeah. pops up and just tells you more and more and is very honest and does not do the mean, creepy face very much. Yeah. Is, is pretty serious and just kind of tells you the whole story. In fact, tells you a little more of the story. Than you got in the neutral, um, in the neutral or the uh, pacifist run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he tells the protagonist about his life ever since he was a flower, his own ability to save, and why the protagonist yeah. started killing. You know, this is beautiful because it, as you read these, um, just be thinking about your own playing experience. Mm -hmm. it, this is it, this is, um, what's the word? I'm my brain isn't working well today. Um, this seems to be, it's a similar parallel experience to just the player himself, not Frisk, but the actual player who's playing the game. Yeah. So it's like all of a sudden I was getting bored and so I decided to maybe kill someone and, and so then I figured, hey, and then I reset the game and just killed everyone and then I, and it's, it's basically how humans play video games. Yeah, right. <laughs> Crazy. He even seems to break the fourth wall and insult yes. those sickos that stand around and watch it happen for not playing the genocide route themselves. Ah, yes, for not, well. Yeah. yeah. Flowery reiterates his kill-or-be-killed mentality, saying that he and the protagonist would not hesitate to kill each other if the need arises. But then Flowery realizes what that means. Yeah. Because immediately Flowery's like, well, but I don't, I don't personally want to die. <laughs> <laughs> so... Between the two of us, yeah, we're so crazy. It's so funny because Flowey seems to have met his match. And so um, now that Flowey is dealing with Kara, 
uh, Flowey all of a sudden is a lot more willing to uh, compromise and a lot less like mean and horrible and I'm going to kill you. It's like, oh, well, as soon as Flowey makes that out loud connection that, oh, you would totally just kill me, wouldn't you? Wait, I'm not ready to die. And you, yep. you've killed everyone and you're probably going to kill me. And then it all kind of goes in this new direction. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so he flees as you aggressively approach him. The music changes to a slower, low-pitched version of anticipation when the events when these events occur. Uh, in the last corridor, Sands does not judge the protagonist, but instead warns them that they will have a bad time in an yes. attempt to deter them from destroying the timelines of all worlds. So we should talk about that real quick. Yes, timelines. Yeah, this has real-world implications. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and explain yeah. this one. So um, once you complete the game in the genocide run, you can't go back and experience the game as if it was your first time. You can't. The game remembers. It remembers what you did in your previous playthroughs. If you've saved it to the cloud on Steam or on the console that you're playing, um, the game will not allow you to have a regular experience once you've done the genocide experience. So even the neutral playthrough will be different. But I, is the pacifist playthrough even possible? Yes. You can do a true pacifist route. Okay. But the ending changes okay. slightly. So the ending will be different, and I do believe there is some dialogue throughout that keeps hinting at your previous life of murder and treachery. Yes. Right, where Sans will be like, hey, you're pretending to be a, a, a human this time, I yeah. see, or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you'll get these little bits of dialogue that's like, the game will always remember that you once destroyed everything and killed everyone. And even if you thought you were being innocent doing it because it's just a game, it, you can never go back. And the game will even mock you too. It'll be like, "What you thought? You think you can just like r rewind time? Like that's not how anything works." Mm -hmm. Sometimes the game won't even let you. Once you've completed a genocide run, um, you'll start up the game, and it'll it'll give you a black screen for like ten minutes, and it'll just be you like, "You wait. made your choice." Like you have you to can't... wait for ten minutes yes. for Kara to show up and talk to you, and then finally it's like, "Okay, you can do it again, I guess." Like whatever, but like it's different. It's never the same. Never the same after you've done yeah. this route. So you ruin the timeline. He's, he's also um, referring to the fact that Flowey can reset. Oh, can yeah. reset the world and reset it. And yes, it has done so over true. and over and over again. And, and Sans, you see that in the pacifist run, I think. Yes, there are certain characters who have this sort of feeling of um, deja vu. Like something mm -hmm. feels familiar, but they can't really put it together. Sans is privy to the fact that Flowey has this ability to reset the game reset yeah. the timeline over yes. and over and over again yeah. and so in in this fight against him he'll he'll bring yeah. that up like, he'll be like you've reset you'll just this many keep times he thinks the player is the one responsible because yeah. the player is the only other one in this world aside from flowey who has the ability to save and load and reset and reset and so sans feels like he's put it together that it's been the it's been the player who's been resetting 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 the timeline and and he's he's reached this moment of Nietzschean futility. <laughs> he realizes <laughs> right? he where he's like win. he. No matter what he tries to do, it's just going to yeah. reset anyways, and he'll forget everything. Um, and so Flowey has been doing that and killing monsters because just out of pure boredom. Like yes, but that's yeah. when people play video games. That's what happens. Like if you play a game like, um, let's say you play Skyrim, and you're doing all the right things. You're the hero warrior. You're excited, but then you're just bored. You're just done playing it and you just decide that you're going to go to, like, the shopkeeper and just kill him, or the quest, somebody who provides a quest for something, and you're just <laughs> like, and you just kill them, and you're like, oh, it's fine, then you go back, I saved, I'll go back, he's not really dead. Um, this game is kind of taking that idea 
and being like, well, yeah, taking it to its logical extreme, which is, well, one day you're just going to start Skyrim and you're just going to kill everyone. And then you'll be like, oh, that was fun because you're sick and twisted. And then you'll go back and go reset back it. to your save and just reset it and, and have the normal experience again. And this game is quite literally saying you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You can't and stop doing that. And yeah. don't like you're messing with yourself. You're messing with the timeline. You're doing things that you ought not do. And um, Flowey even does use it against you. I think in that crazy fight where it's like a yeah the a neutral 3D, route fight yeah um, yeah where Flowey will often re- reset um, save and reload yep. yeah and then During you're in the a different the spot and it's just like oh this yep. is crazy this isn't fair but it's like no that's what you're doing that's what you're to doing the game characters the game. you go and you kill them and then you just reset and now they're back alive again and yep. it's like wait and then you maybe kill them again or you don't do it this time but either way you're just kind of playing with the world um, in a way that's probably not healthy for the mind maybe i don't know i'm not saying that video games like that are horrible it's just like when everything you do when every game and i feel like that's what undertale is doing when every game is you just kill things mindlessly killing. at some point it is going to actually affect your world i'm not saying you're going to go become a murderer i'm just saying it'll just kind of desensitize you to certain things and it'll affect you in the real world you know it's not it, things that are just games aren't just games, and that's one of the things that we always talk about in this po- in this uh, podcast. It's not just a game, right? Games are are true art, you know, and yeah. it's they they do make a difference in the world, and they can make people better people. They can also make people worse people. Yeah, I'll say this: like I'm, I'll be one of the first people to defend games as not being something that makes people more violent, of right? Course. There's, there's no yeah. and that's evidence for that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and people making those claims are, you know, ridiculous. But I also have to admit, games have certainly desensitized me to violence. <laughs> me, too, <dude. laughs> like, me freaking too. Uh, extremely so. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you'll do anything, but yeah. like the medium is powerful. It's a powerful medium. Yeah. It, it can affect your, your behavior or at least the way you see the world. Yeah. So there's definitely something to that, I think. Um, yeah. So anyways, his battle is considered, widely considered to be the most difficult in the game, followed by the un- Undying, the Undying fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't hit him. He keeps dodging your attack through Sands. the whole battle. And you have to keep, you know. <laughs> do, 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 he like, does this funny thing, too, where he's like, he, he just kills you immediately the very first time yeah. he fights you. And then you come back and he goes, what? Is it not unusual to open up with your best attack? <laughs> 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 All right, that's what he does. Because usually it's like later on, the boss gets harder and harder with yeah. Sans. Just right away, it's as hard as hard can be. Yeah. And you just kind of go from there. You basically just have to memorize everything that's going to happen yeah. in order to beat him. And I love that beating Sans is not about being stronger and attacking him. It's about right. outlasting him and his yes. laziness is, yes. is, is eventually what gets the better of him. I brought he's that up, not, right? He's not fit enough to fight right. you. Right. I loved that. And, and he slowly, he just kind of falls asleep. Right? <laughs> yes. He just kind of, he can't. Because I love that because like his, his that. way of trying to make it impossible yeah. is that, well, I just won't <laughs> yes. end my turn. Yeah. Like yeah. it'll just stay my turn. Like, cause forever. in a, in a, in a turn-based RPG, you switch turns. Yes. He's like, I'll just keep my turn forever and we'll just yeah. see whose determination is the strongest. Like you just <laughs> sit here forever until you give up Yeah, and you just sit there and wait for a long time no. until he falls asleep. And then when he falls asleep, you can push the box that you're yeah, pinned you in down over. to attack. And you and go then, attack him and he wakes up and dodges it. And he's like, ah, you thought I was going to fall for that. And then you hit him. Yeah. And then he, he's cut and he kind of bleeding out his mouth. Walks yeah. away. He's he like, says papyrus, he's, 
you yes. want a drink or something like that. He's going to go to the yeah. restaurant. What's it called? The, the the MTT Resort for a drink. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And uh, it's really sad because like he's dying. He's going to die. Yeah. But he's just kind of trying to walk off. And anyways, he's trying to make the most of the rest of his life. It's crazy. So at that point, you get to level 20, which is the max level. No. Within the room, all of the coffins, uh, with all the coffins, the red coffin says it's as comfortable as it looks. Within the throne room, Asgore mentions having never seen a flower crying, referring to Flowey's yes. attempts to warn Asgore of the protagonist. And that's crazy because yeah. of what you know about Flowey from doing the previous runs. And it's like Flowey. So this is great. This is so beautiful because with the pacifist run, you can change Flowey's heart in some way. You kind of break Flowey's evilness and, and you find, you rescue the good that is hidden behind Flowey's persona, right? You basically do the same thing in the genocide route, but out of fear. You you break Flowey out of fear of of dying, and you you basically turn Flowey into a good guy, a good person through like like hate and anger and destruction. And in order to do that, you had to kill everyone in the whole monster realm. Um, but it almost has the same kind of result. Like it it also brings out like the best part of Flowey and Flowey's like warning Asgore what's going to happen. It's and crying. It's yeah. just crazy. It's crazy. Well, cause this is his father, right? Yes. Yep. Um, so the protagonist then proceeds to attack Asgore, killing him in one hit on the console versions. The borders around the game window are immediately disabled upon engaging Asgore. Flowey finishes mm -hmm. Asgore off and yeah. then with his face and voice turning to Asriel's, he begs the protagonist not to kill him. He's like, see, I killed for you. I helped you. you. Yeah. I helped you. I'm useful. Yeah. Don't right. kill me. And this is the final point where the game can be reset without consequences. As pressing any of the action buttons after that causes the protagonist to kill Flowey and you complete the genocide route. And we've got the graphic here of how Flowey dies. It's pretty like. It's you just destroy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's sad to like look sad. at. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hit a, after a, hit. just a face of horror as you're just murdering him, right? Hacking yep. him to pieces. Yep. Instead of leaving the black screen and returning to the throne room, a track consisting of high-pitched wailing and echoing heartbeats begins to uh, play as Kara appears on a black screen. They begin uh, speaking to someone, either the protagonist or the player directly. And this is where Kara explains that the protagonist's determination was the reason that the, the former came back. So Kara's mm -hmm. spirit was able to return because of kind of what you're saying. It's it's a you brought you were the body for Kara, right? You brought the gnosis into the real world <laughs> using the Hilbert effect. Yep. <laughs> And yeah. that the player taught Kara the reason for their return, power, and gave them the means to gain it. It was the protagonist's soul and determination that allowed them to destroy everything so that they could achieve this goal. Kara then lists the various stats that the player uh, increases throughout the game as the very feeling they have whenever they are increased. Wait, let me read that again. Mm -hmm. Kara then lists the various stats that the player increased throughout the game. So your level or love, okay. your, you know, the stats, I guess. Um, as the very feeling they have whenever they are increased. Okay, so we had to run Case into the train station when we were recording last. We're back yep. together now, though we are remote. So he is at his place down there. You're on the screen now. Yep. And uh, Sorry. It's all good. We're just going to finish this up real quickly and then um, kind of wrap up here on, on Undertale. So, um, 
hopefully I'll be able to get this out tonight. That's my that's my hope because it's been a few days since uh, the beginning of the November month. But it's looking like, by the way, that uh, Pan's Labyrinth is going to be the winner for the next month's exclusive podcast, which is figured. sweet. Yeah, yeah. You know what's cool about that. about that? So I'm going to be viewing that movie um, in the original language. I will not be reading subtitles. Nice, because you can speak. Th- that'll be the well. That'll be the first time that I've. Um, it's one of my favorite movies ever, but I've never watched it without subtitles. Nice. But um, in the past couple of years, I now am fluent in Spanish, so I don't need them. And I hope it's a. I hope it's a new experience for me to watch yeah. that movie again. I just watched it last night, actually. Ah, did you? Um, I did have subtitles on, but I still understood. I would say roughly thirty five to 40 percent of the spanish because i'm studying portuguese and they're very similar languages yeah um okay anyways back to undertale here so see we had just gotten done talking about most of the differences between the genocide yeah yeah yeah, pacifist routes um i think we've mostly covered that we covered like did like just jacking flowey up there at the end I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't know if we talked about the part where Kara comes on the screen at the end and sort of reveals that, like, um, oh, like my, you, you're basically you've awakened me again, more or less, is is what the character, what she, he or she says. Um, and there's like a choice here that is sort of uh, provided to the player, where you can basically like erase the universe or choose not to. All right. Do you remember seeing this? Um, well, I remember watching <laughs> this <laughs> because, um, yeah, it was something like you can just end it all. You can just destroy the whole world, destroy the whole universe. Yeah. And I think, let me pull it up here. I just want to make sure I'm reading this correctly. So I get well, once again, though, as we brought up earlier, it's sort of like, um, it's, it's a godlike situation, right? This is basically, um, the demiurge before the flood. Being like, hey, we're going to kill everything <laughs> and start <laughs> over from scratch. And it's just like they're giving you this like godly power through through Kara. Uh, but that's the power you have in the game anyways. You're basically just a god to these people. And that's why, you know, especially what's his name? Uh, not Sans. Papyrus? Papy- no, it is Sans then. Sans, yeah. Why Sans is kind of just feeling the nihilistic, like, the, what's the point of it all, you know? Right, exactly. He's feeling that because we have absolute control as the player. We have control over when his life begins and ends. It's Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So uh, Kara explains that the protagonist's determination was the reason that the former came back. So the reason Kara comes back yeah, is because of right. the player's determination. determination. Yeah. And that the player taught Kara the reason for their return, power, and gave them the means to gain it. It was the protagonist's soul and determination that allowed them to destroy everything so that they could achieve this goal. Kara then lists the various stats that the player increased throughout the game. Um, I'm going to kind of skip over some stuff. Okay. They offer to destroy the world so that the two of them can move on to another world. At this point... Two prompts are given, erase or do not. Um, During this conversation, the player cannot use the escape button, if you're playing on PC, obviously. If the player chooses erase, Kara calls the player a great partner, followed by hollowed eyes and stating that um, the player will be, he, uh, Kara and the player will be together forever, resulting in the world's destruction. 
if yeah. you choose the do not option, it causes Kara to be seemingly surprised at the player's refusal, thinking that the player must have some uh, must have misunderstood them. Kara then asks the player, since when were you the one in control with hollowed eyes? Which then results in a jump scare. Kara then approaches the screen with a horrifying facial expression while apparently laughing, emitting a horrible noise as the screen shakes while flashing red and black. The game's window also vibrates uh, during the jump scare. That kind of calls back to what we were talking about last episode about when Kara says, since when were you the one in charge? Right. Meaning like you think that you're in charge playing this game, but it's like you're just embodying the spirit of this other character who's actually kind of, you know, pulling the strings here. And what's funny is that as we, as we, as we absorb stories, they do become part of us in a way, you know, I know I'm, I'm getting a little, uh, what would you say? Mystical, but they do become a part of you. And when you do that, it's like, oh, it's just a game. No big deal. I don't know. I could easily say and see in 10 years, you just remembering Kara, you know, just and remembering what you did in this game. (laughs) Uh, especially if you had never done well especially if you had done the pacifist run first yeah or at any point knowing what it could have been and knowing that you just turned it upside down maybe this game just spoke to me too deeply i don't know i don't know if everyone has this experience but to me it's like yeah i don't know this is a gameplay on the experience that i will never forget and to have that negative experience be the one that kind of follows me around for the rest of my life you know like yeah be wild that's just kind of haunting it's kind of a haunting thought really i really do think that it's better to have played neutral than pacifist than genocide in that order sure that makes particularly sense. because of how any future pacifist run changes which we'll get into here in a second but okay um so following either option this sort of slash comes across the screen and the screen is filled with nine 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 nines which is like an indication that like the whole world like just got destroyed, right? Like everything took damage. The flood just happened. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So it blacks out uh, and you hear like a howling wind play. Okay, the window name is absent after Flowey is killed. After the giant slash animation, the entire window of Undertale in the Windows version shakes violently side to side, implying that the attack was damaging the game itself. The game automatically reverts to windowed mode during Kara's jump scare and the numerous 999s. So, um, let's talk about how this changes pacifist endings from now on. Which are, it's it's not too much different. It's mostly the same. But if you choose to stay with Toriel, that very last scene where she comes in and leaves the pie for you and then closes the door. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, like your character, Frisk, is like lying there in bed sleeping. Um, She puts the pie down. She goes and closes the door. But then it reveals that Kara is the one in the bed, not Frisk. Ah. And it kind of ends on this like kind of scary. That was so genius. That was so genius. Yeah. (laughs) Of, um, hold on, I have to look up his name. Toby. Toby Toby Fox. Fox. That was so genius of him to do, too. You can still have the same character, baby. You still have the same cutscenes. But yeah. then all he does is just change this, the name of who who it's happening to and when it happened. You know, is this the past or the present? And that changes the whole context for what you're for what you're seeing. Right. Man. 
And then the other option uh, ending for pacifist there, all the neutral runs I think stay the same, but the other pacifist ending is where you choose not to stay in the underworld with Toriel. You decide to go, go and up, you just yeah. take that picture with everybody at the end, right? They just take a photo of all your friends. But in the photo, yeah. it's not Frisk. It's Kara looking evil, right? <laughs> yeah, with so, the red eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, smile. you can't ever have like a real true pacifist run again once you've done this genocide one time and and that's more or less what i'm talking about how the the, when you do the genocide run it just follows you forever like you can't get away from it even if you never play the game again it just it's gonna follow you forever yep yep there's nothing you can do even if you could somehow (laughs) play the full pacifist run again you're still gonna be remembering that time where you decided to kill sans because you're a heartless piece of garbage (laughs) and you're never gonna forget that you're never gonna forget what he says about how he still thinks you're cool and he still wants to be your friend you know yeah so i think the only way to like undo this is you have to basically totally uninstall the game Ah. do a completely fresh reinstall like you can't just delete your save file Right. Or something you like that. You need to wipe the cookies. You need to get like all <laughs> traces off, right? <laughs> Erase the Gotta cookies. Delete the cookies. To delete the cookies. If if nobody has seen um, <laughs> Bear Force One on YouTube. Yes. You Bear gotta go Force watch it. It's a I think about that video. At least once a month. Oh, it was so good. It's so, good. so funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's one of the funniest little like, you know YouTube movies I've ever seen, but Yeah. Um Okay, so I don't know. There, there's probably a few more things we could talk about. I don't know if it's really necessary well, for our purposes. I know that you had some notes. I don't think we got to last time. I but... do. Th- there's one real quick one thing I wanted to mention because you talked about how Frisk said, you know, you lent me your power and now I've got like this determination equals power kind of thing. Um, but as it relates to, sorry, uh, Frisk, so Kara would say that. Frisk yeah, would right. say... Um, the determination was to have a meaningful experience, right? And um, the difference between power and meaning, um, when you play a pacifist or neutral run-through of the game, I would argue more so with the pacifist run, uh, you have a very meaningful experience, very meaningful. Um, Whereas when you play the genocide run, you have a very powerful experience in the game, meaning just like raw power. Um, and now that seems obvious on its head, but so I read this book um, last year from Yuval Noah Harari called Homo Deus, or it may be, okay, so he wrote, he's written a couple books, but he wrote Sapiens and uh, Homo Deus, and those are the two that I've read. And in one of them, I can't remember which one, but in one of them, he says, he makes this claim about humans just in general, that um, we traded meaning for power. This is uh, his description mm. of the modern world, right? Now, he is as materialist, uh, what would you say, um, as reductionist as they come. Sure. But he still can see that something happened a couple centuries ago, that the meaning in life was was given up um, for this power, this pers- pursuit of... Um, just as much power as we humans materially can possibly gain. Um, And I see that in that statement there where Kara is like, give me your power or give me your power. But in order to have this power, you have to sacrifice the meaning. And I I really see that. Um, Yuval Noah Harari's quote about us sacrificing meaning for power 
is like this game almost embodies that perfectly. And the crazy thing is, is once you sacrifice the meaning, you can't get it back. <laughs> like, like it's gone. You, you yeah. basically your only pursuit now is is just power, and that's more or less the technological, the innovation, science, and what everything's been building off of is the fact that meaning is hard to come by in a materialist world, but power seems to keep compounding. We like science is advancing at incredible rates, and so we just. That's what we have to do, and the hope is is that the power will eventually recapture some meaning at some point. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's that's like a it's the Faustian bargain, I guess. Hmm. Um, but I like that. You look at this game uh, as the two experiences between meaning and power, and you have to sacrifice one to get the other. You can't have both. And if at any point you sacrifice the meaning, you just can't get it back. Yeah. Um, didn't you have some notes? Yes. Um, Jewish mysticism. Jewish mysticism. Yeah, so this is great. So this is from undertale.fandom.com, uh, which I think um, it's a really good resource for Undertale stuff. Um, so this is really good. I'm going to read some selective parts here. Uh, we talked a little bit, probably in episode two, about some of the names and what they mean. Um, but this post is from Razor1000. And it was only made like one year ago. So this is kind of some new revelations about Undertale and what some of this game is representing here. Um, and the title of this post is called Undertale is based on Hebrew mysticism and occultist symbology. Oh. So look it up. It's a great article. It's not too long, but it's it's a little too long to where I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing. But he says that Toriel uh, stands for Turiel, who is a fallen angel, which would be one of the Nephilim, right? Right. Um, Metaton is Metatron, who is the most powerful being in heaven, only second to God, being El itself. Interestingly, Metaton is the last boss before you fight Sans and Asgore, right? Then you have Azrael, an angel or demon of death. Keep in mind how Azrael is called the god of hyperdeath which means he assumes his final form. Also an anagram for S for Sariel, S-A-R-I-E-L, the son of Lilith and Samuel, who is related to Metatron. The full name of Azrael, which is Azrael Dreamer, can also, also partially serve as an anagram of Israel Redeemer. But uh, it can be also be one for serial murderer, too, which <laughs> shows the evil background behind this character in the neutral root. So Omega Flowey, who is Azrael, right? Um, highly resembles a seraphim, a seraphim-like being, a very mm, powerful yeah. kind of angel that looks like a Lovecraftian creature and can twist reality, right? So finally, then, you have Asgore. The character holds a strong resemblance to Moloch. Uh, and if any of you guys know about something called a Bohemian Grove, <laughs> look it up. It's kind of crazy, but there's a nice uh, Moloch statue back there. At least I think that's Moloch. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I was going to say owl, an owl statue at Bohemian Grove. I, oh, I it's an maybe owl. Maybe you, you were referring to another thing, which is why no, I then looked it up. No, that was it. That was it. The I, owl I just, is like the big I, one where the dudes do the like the, the little ceremony in front of it with like yes. all the torches and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's an owl, but doesn't it look, it doesn't have like hands and stuff? Um, well, I'm looking at it here. Does it's it not? Okay. Kind, it's kind of hard to see because these images are terrible. I'm <laughs> looking at um, I'm looking at the same ones. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, just like kind of a kind of secret place. So it's towering, 
owl-looking thing. I think it's just wings on the side there. I'm not seeing hands, but... Okay, that there, makes there sense. could so be because it's, it's a wide shot and it's not like very close up to it. And there's people standing at the base, so I don't really know for sure. But anyway, anywho, um, this Washington Post article says Bohemian Grove, where the rich and powerful go to misbehave. Yep. All right. Uh, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the the theme of human sacrifice is portrayed at the Bohemian Grove, but I guess it's an owl. So that must be a different god then. My Moloch analogy is probably um, a little bit off there. So Toby, um, oh, here we go. So Toby Fox uses trumpets a lot in his music because of his Toho-like music style. Toho being a Japanese anime. Uh, but these trumpets are special. They have a royal sound to them. It certainly sounds like the prelude for a sacrifice to a king. Which king? The King Moloch. Another interesting fact is how Asgore uses a trident, an object often associated with demonic god figures. Also, check the core machine, and you can see it looks like a Moloch statue. If you look closely, there are two hands and two horns, and the hands make it look like Moloch sitting in his throne. And under this machine, there is a fire and flames. Inside the core, there's a hexagonal symbol everywhere on the floor that resembles Saturn's North Pole, and the hexagon is curiously enclosed in a square. One of the symbols of Saturn worship. Now, you guys have to understand Saturn. Saturn is Satan, basically. Saturn is uh, Seth. It's the Roman equivalent of the Egyptian Greek gods, Kronos, I think, in, in the Greek. Um, mm. But it very, corresponds closely to Set in ancient Egypt and something along the lines of Satan. And that's sort of where the, the word Saturn comes from. And that's also why it's Saturday, which is like the party day. Best like day Sat of the week. Best day of the week. That's or Saturnalia. Saturnalia being the big festival at the end of, you know, a, a cycle that is where people let loose and misbehave, right? Sure. <clears throat> so let's continue. Um, one of the symbols of Saturnian worship is a black cube, which is used frequently in Abrahamic religions. Who is Saturn? Samael. And who is Samael? Satan. Who is Satan? The devil. I love this poster. This is great. The hexagon is also a symbol of Metatron, which is referred to as Metatron's cube. And if it's a perfectly dimensioned cube, then it probably has some reference to the Holy of Holies as well. That's me talking, not this guy. Um, okay, so then we have the, the pillars of Yakin and Boaz, um, which is great, but it's something you should look at. You got the Masonic pillars. You have the all-seeing eye of Saturn. Um, scroll down a little bit. Gaster. Who's Gaster? Gaster's one of the enemies, right? Uh, in Undertale? In Undertale, yeah. Gaster was the original... Uh, scientist, right? Scientist yeah. who, like, disappeared, and then Alphys replaces um, that character as, like, the... the I don't know what you call it, the court scientist or whatever. The court the scientist. Empire for the kingdom. So this says there are two, two demons in the Ars Geisha... The Lesser Key of Solomon, an ancient occultist grimoire that allows you to summon demonic gods from archaic Mesopotamian mythologies. That Those two names sound like Alphys. Uh, there's Malphus and then Halphus. Inster interestingly, these spirits control towers, mechanisms, and can build artifacts, plans, strategies, and all the things that Alphys does in the game. Malphus can tell you the thoughts and plans of the enemies, and Alphys will tell you what Metaton's going to do and how to stop him. And then Halphys mm. sounds like help, and Alphys offers help. Ah, this guy's stretching a little bit there. A okay, 
So then we go to the very end. You have Sans. Um, there's some Nabstabluk. Nabstabluk represents the philosophy of egoism. And I'm, that one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, then there's this last character called So Sorry, which the, character, the creator claims he put there because someone paid him to do so, but that's not true. So Sorry represents sexual perversion, a sexual abuse satanic ritual, according to this poster, not me. It is... Uh, known, of course, that the worshippers of L, known as Satanists, I, I don't agree with that, actually, um, perform rituals of sexual abuse and human sacrifice. Herein, this character is despised by many players that don't know what he truly symbolizes. <clears throat> this character is there to symbolize uh, perversion into dark rituals of black magic, which happens at the temples of Saturn. He is so sorry, the sorcerer. So sorry, sorcery. Sorcery. Ah, there you go. A play of words. The fact that the creator mentions he's there because someone paid him to do so just symbolizes that this whole existence is linked to money, greed, and lust. And there you go. Now we're done here. So that was basically me skimming through this article. You guys should read it yourself if you want to know um, more about this. I think he's like 80% right on a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of the Hebrew mysticism stuff, especially since we see it in a ton of games now, I think that's probably right. Especially given a lot of the games that Toby Fox, you know, and anime and stuff that Toby Fox is clearly into. Um, I could see that absolutely being true. I think there's some stretches here, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think that that kind of brings us to the end of this. Um, I don't know. How should we wrap this up? What should we say to like leave off on on Undertale that we haven't said already? We didn't talk much about Alpha's Lab, did we? Oh, that's true. Let's do that real quick. Let's um, briefly bring that up, and then yeah, let's find. Yeah, some way because to you have up. to do this. This is one of the things you have to do in order to, to get like get, the final ending. Yeah, yeah, like the pacifist route to begin with. Yeah. So let me pull this up here. Yeah. So you go. You go back to Alphys, and um, yeah, you're able. What is it? One of the elevators or something that goes a different way. You're able to take it down instead yeah, right. of up. Yeah. And then it takes you to this lab that's just so, so creepy. There's like a hundred different notes posted all over the walls, and they kind of slowly tell you the story of like what this is and what yeah, happened what here. Was, <laughs> and it's really, here. really creepy stuff. Yeah. So also just want to quickly mention that there's another date sequence uh, where oh, yeah. <laughs> you Frisk goes on a date with Alphys, but really she's into Undyne and then the Undyne ends up showing up at the garbage dump where they like to go to hang out. And there's <laughs> yeah. like a whole thing there and it's really funny and it's great. Um, it's very funny. There's not much that I really want to talk about there, but um, yeah. So you go down, there was, there was a couple things in particular that I thought were just really crazy about this uh, Alphys' true lab sequence, right? Um, so if you return there, you find a note where she thanks you for your help, but tells you that even the support of her friends can't make her problems go away or make amends for her mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, She writes that if you really want to know what she's done, go through the door just north of the note, and this takes you down uh, into the true lab. Um, You learn from Alpha's notes that she experimented on souls to try to learn how to extract monster souls, um, which proved impossible. And the reason that the human soul is so powerful and can last... Uh, after death is because of determination. So essentially yeah. the, the difference between the human soul and the monster soul 
is all wrapped into uh, the level of determination which makes human souls really potent or strong, um, which makes them persist even after death, right? Uh, yeah. So since this didn't work out, she started injecting determination into something that was neither human nor monster, golden flowers. Um, so this is essentially the... Uh, this is how Flowey was created. It was kind yeah. of an accident in this uh, experiment she was doing to try to figure out how to inject determination into monster souls. Um, but the thing that I found, uh, so we talked about that Snowdrake monster from earlier in the game who tries to tell you jokes. And oh, yeah. You, you can meet that character's father in the MTT resort who talks yeah. about how his son's not as funny as him and he has this, <laughs> yeah. he has this um, you know, strained Still relationship good. with his son. Ever, but he says some throwaway line or what seems to be a throwaway line, like ever since his mother passed away, you know, like things have been different and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. turns out that the Snowdrake's mother was one of these tormented monster souls down in this lab. And it, it's like a monster that you find down here. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I was not expecting that. Like, again, like he doesn't ever in this game really just like throw something at you for the sake of it he's usually setting something else up uh, but you never really it's it's the kind of thing you don't really see as a setup it feels like it's just a throwaway funny thing and then like he brings it up again later in a way that's really surprising that you don't expect i really like that yeah um so at the end of the dungeon alphys does return and she explains that asgore commissioned her to study the nature of souls she injected determination into dying monsters to see if the soul would last after death, and the experiment failed. Monsters don't have the right biology to accept that kind of concentration of determination. The bodies melted. She was too afraid to tell the monsters' families about what had happened, but now she's going to do what's right. So all these monsters right. came down here and were, like, tortured <laughs> in these experiments, and their families were never, like, actually told, like, what their fate was. And that's kind of like the burden that Alphys carries. Really changes your perception of her as a character. Oh, yeah. Uh, having found out that all this went down. Um, and especially her perception of her own, like, self-worth. Yes. Right? It seems it's a lot really more justified low. now. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like, oh, she's she's done stuff, yeah. She's not just, like, an anime nerd. She's, like, tortured <laughs> yeah. people <laughs> and murdered people. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, it, it casts even uh, Asgore in, in a different light, too, you know? like Well, it does, especially when you get to the home video sequence. Did you get right. there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was that was very, very good. Very good content. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my note here is, on the way out, one of the panels lights up. And this is the text I'm quoting here. I've chosen a candidate. I haven't told Asgore yet because I want to surprise him with it. In the center of his garden, there's something special, the first golden flower that grew before all the others, the flower from the outside world. It appeared just before the queen left. I wonder what happens when something without a soul gains the will to live. The next entry reads, the flower is gone. Um, and then as yeah. you enter the elevator, you get a call from someone whose voice you've never heard before. It calls you Nova and says, thank you. Um, everything has fallen into Ow. place. For anyone who cares, Nova means new. Yes, right. In Latin, so. Yep. Um, everything has fallen into place. The elevator takes you straight to Asgore, and when he sees you, you can see how conflicted and pained he is, and you go through the whole ending. 
uh, like yeah. normal. But um, yeah, uh, it's the home it, videos it, it, were the biggest one for me. Just seeing yes. him and his kid, and then even when Kara first shows up, I think there's a yep. little bit, and, and there's um, exchanges between Kara and Azriel, um, and so, but, Toriel. Yeah, Toriel as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, it's really good. It's touching. Anyway, <laughs> I guess when we set out to to do a podcast on this, we were thinking we'd do it in one or two episodes, and ended up being four. And I still feel like we didn't yeah. really like get no. as into it as we could have. I sensed that too. Done. I was like, "This is going to be frustrating because this game." is deep but it's also so hard to analyze it's just really hard it is hard but and no matter what we said we weren't going to be able to do it justice like this is such a this is just an experience a playthrough i'll never forget it's really good i was not expecting four months we usually really do stick to the one hour maybe we don't go over an hour and a half right, with these yeah. ones you know whereas for our other podcasts we'll we'll go a bit long uh so yeah i wasn't expecting this to take so long apologies for any of you who did not like undertale <laughs> but <laughs> this was a really I don't know. I, 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 even though we didn't end up treating it adequately, I don't think that's possible. Uh, this game was is too meaningful. If you play it right, <laughs> it's too meaningful um, to really be spoken of, <laughs> like yeah. at all, in, in any way that like approaches the the true nature of what this game is. You know, like it's it's more than just a game. That's for sure. Yeah, it's one of those one of those games where you got to play it i mean like many 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 times to even like have any chance of seeing something remotely close to f like the full experience or like yeah. every sort of path or choice or different way you can do something and so it's something that'll kind of always have a lot of surprises because i've only played it i think three times total mm. and um so I feel like every time I pick it up, I'm going to kind of see something different, you know, in the future, which I kind of like. At the same time, it does make it tough to try to do like a, an analysis on. But oh, yeah. um, I mean, certainly we could take another episode or two maybe to kind of break it down further. But I feel like it's time for us to kind of move on to the next thing. Uh, <laughs> it's so, past time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll leave it off there. But we hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, and uh, if you haven't voted yet, um, make sure to do that here within the next couple of days because we'll be picking uh, what we're going to be doing next. But it's looking like it's going to be Pan's Labyrinth, like I was saying. So, awesome. Um, awesome. All right. Anything else before we take off? No. No, this game's great. Don't ever do Genocide Run. See it coming. Yeah. Um, what Kara will haunt you for the rest of your life if you yeah. do a Genocide Run. Don't do it. Don't, Don't do, do it. it. Don't do it, man. That's all I got. Uh, just watch it on YouTube. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, there, there is something to actually pushing the buttons and doing it. Yeah, yourself. there is. There's something to that. There is. That I don't think is quite the same. You know, you remember the movie, The The Ring? Yes. It would have been way more powerful if it was a game and not a oh, video. Oh, sure. Game. If you were if the you one. If you were actively, yeah. yeah. Then it's like, ooh. You, you did that, you know? That's yeah, going right. to haunt you forever. Right. All right, guys. We will see you again real soon uh last xenosaga episode will be recorded this week we'll be starting silent yep. hill 2 right after that yes um so i'm look excited forward to for those uh, we'll be recording both of those this thursday because i'll be in thailand the following week so sick anyway. and then by the way i'm 
I'm traveling too in December, so we're gonna yeah. have to uh, get get well ahead on this podcast. I'm thinking we'll have to do some. Well, I can you can record remotely. I can. And I'll be here. Well, actually, and I'll my be gone. Fine, as long as I do it this way with my laptop. If I use right. my PC, the internet gets all screwy. Yeah, um, I'll be gone a couple weeks during December as well. So we're really going to have to kind of plan that out to make sure that the yeah. schedule stays on track. Maybe we can do yeah. one where we're both remote, <laughs> but oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. We'll, well, hey. we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Anyways, peace out everybody. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Peace.